Greet each one in Jesus' name this morning. It is good to be here again. It was good to be here so far and uh, say amen to what was shared. <laughs> Loved uh, Lester's thought of that our life tells people what we believe. I like that. And I liked uh, the Sunday school class. And I wish we'd have circled back a little bit yet, Tom. You did a good job, by the way. You are a teacher. He said he's just up there to make sure we quit in time, and it didn't turn out that way. But um, I wish we'd have circled back on a few things like what it is uh, that we can do today to set up an altar to say, this is going to help us remember the Lord. I like that thought. What, what can we set up for that? And I also wondered what the brethren would have felt like as if God does uh, talk to us through dreams today. Or if anybody had that experience, or, or what we do if a guy says, I dreamed this or, or that. Anyway, amen to what was said. Uh, <clears throat> one of my sons shared with me something that was vivid on my mind. Uh, he said he was outside somewhere, and there was some toddlers there, you know, three, four years old or whatever it was. And they were throwing stones at cars or whatever. And he said, Hey, stop that. You quit throwing stones. And they kind of had the expected response, except for one of them made eye contact with him, slowly got down and reached around on his hunches, picked up stones and threw them. Some of you are relating and saying, I wonder if that was mine. <laughs> I wonder if that was my toddler. We've all seen toddlers like that, I think. I, I've had some toddlers like that there. To make eye contact and to reach down and feel around for another stone and just pick it up and throw it. To me, though, as I thought about that and pondered that vivid picture, sometimes that's you and I. God says, hey, quit that. Speak kindly to your spouse. And with eye contact, we reach down and feel around for a stone and we pick it up and we throw it. Luckily for us, God doesn't upset him as far as what am I going to do with this little toddler. He kind of mentions, you know, sometimes I chastise those that I love and sometimes we keep working at the Jacobs and we keep working at each of us that are sitting here this morning. The Bible gives us those uh, warnings and says, hey, quit that. And uh, God's Twitter account is where we're at again this morning. Proverbs 12, if you'll turn to that. All of the scripture is given to us for reproof and for advice and for direction. And we're skipping through a couple. We're back to skipping through just a couple of uh, verses from uh, a chapter. And we have three or four that 
we'll look at this morning. Uh, Proverbs is such a, sometimes it's just one verse and that's one sermon. And then it's another verse. And so if I'm skipping your favorite verse here, it's just maybe that I'm at a different place right now or these gripped me and next week another one might uh, grip me. Proverbs 12, verse, verse 1. Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. Uh, some translations say a person that hates correction is stupid. We try to teach our children not to, to use or overuse that word, stupid. But what it's saying here, he that hateth advice or hateth reproof is, is not very smart. And I want to jump down and include a few other verses there. On 15 it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth to counsel is wise. A person that listens to advice is, is wise. Proverbs 19.20 says, Hear counsel, receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in your latter end. Get all the advice and the instruction you can. But you know, until you want advice, there's no amount of advice that's going to help you. Unless, if I wish there, I wish I could take my life, and I wish I could tweak it a little bit and change it, and that I could embrace advice, no matter who it comes from, no matter how I feel about that person, no matter in what situation it is, but that I could take that advice. Sometimes Ruthie starts giving me advice and I start getting mad. And I think, you know, if I could at that point say, okay, why am I getting frustrated here? She's saying this for a reason. Why can't I, why can't I put myself aside and uh, why can't I receive advice from people? Why can't I listen? It's hard to take advice on like my occupation or, or, or schooling or whatever it is, work habits, finance, uh, medical advice. It's none of your business. It's none of your business how I feel about this or that there. Ruthie and I know a friend who refused to take diet advice. And as his life progressed from another area, as his life progressed... Uh, it became obvious that his diet was getting him into trouble. He, he, um, he had, um, uh, what's that stuff when you eat too much sugar? We all kind of walk, Di- diabetic. He became diabetic and his wife used to tell him, hey, you should, this isn't very good for you. And it would frustrate him. And he would leave the house and he would go to a restaurant and eat whatever he felt like. As the time went along, it got worse and worse. And it would have been a little easier to take advice. And then he lost a few toes. And then he lost a foot. And then he went home early. Now, 
I can at least relate to that pretty easy because of diet. I struggle with diet. Uh, I struggle with uh, with donuts and, and and everything else. And you think, well, you know, you look at a guy that has an unrelated problem to yours. You look at an alcoholic or somebody that smokes, and you say, how stupid! Put it down. You have lung cancer. You can hardly live, and you're choking on a cigarette. So in an unrelated problem, I can, but in food, I can say, you know, if somebody says, hey, you shouldn't eat that, I can say, I can see where that would frustrate me. I can see where that, and you say, well, you know, we we look at somebody and we say, so maybe they died 10 years early or 15 years early because their inability to, to watch their diet. So, but what if he would have embraced that advice and said, this is something I need to know. I want to tell you something. Until you want advice, nobody can tell you anything. And if we could, if Claire could, if we could change this one thing about ourselves, that we would embrace advice no matter who it comes from. You know, how, what's my bias on the advice that I'm getting? It's hard to take advice, but sometimes you need to take it from a jerk because your friends are too kind to tell you. Sometimes your enemies will tell you some things, they'll blurt it out and they'll say, Claire, you're stupid in this way and this way and this way. And my mind can say, well, you're unqualified to speak into my life. Look at your own belly, finances, mistakes, problems. Who are you to tell me what to do? And so until I'm open to advice, if we could just change one thing about Claire... It would make him a pleasant guy to be around if we could just change one thing that he would embrace advice and ponder it and consider it and sort it out. No matter who it comes from, God speaks through a donkey. And so he can speak through your spouse or he can speak through anybody else he feels like. No matter who you're struggling with right now, no matter who is bugging you right now, oftentimes in history, in Bible, that is exactly who had the nugget of truth that you need for today. That you, that, that would help you out of the dilemma that you're in. But you gotta want to. Um, he that loveth instruction and loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof, is stupid. You know, somehow we need to embrace advice and think different of it and forget our defensiveness. There's certain things that we get defensive on. And whether it's our faith community, our spouse, our dad, our mom, the police, whoever it is that's trying to speak into our advice, we need to somehow embrace advice without getting mad. And it is harder to take advice from some people. 
or another. That's a different subject. You know, my dad, as strong as he would get, would be, Claire, uh, maybe you should. And some of you are like that. Uh, Todd Schrock isn't here this morning, but when I asked him, Todd, do I have to put um, a footer around my porch or will it sink like everybody else's does up here? And he said, no, no, yeah. I I said, I think I'm just, you know, and I used this before. And he said, here's what he said. That could work. Putting just like you're doing it, that could work. What I would probably do is put a footer around it. You have to listen to some people. They don't, they don't just lay it out there and say, you're stupid if you do this. Some people say, you know what, maybe you ought to do this. And, and we have to get good at listening to that. Saying, okay, Todd did a lot of this. I did not, not very much of it at all. And, and you have to weigh that in there. And you have to listen to advice. Whether it's a soft implication or an attack on your person. Advice comes in every form. Donald Trump was asked a little bit ago, who do you talk to for advice on foreign policy? And he said, I am my primary consultant. I said, my, my primary consultant is me. Last week or the week before, 14 Republicans sat down with him and said, hey, we'd like to speak into this impeachment thing. And I don't know. It was in the news. I don't know which is true and which is false anymore. But it's supposed, he supposedly said, uh, they, and they were, they were sitting in Clinton's impeachment thing and they, they knew how this goes and stuff. And they said, we, we have a couple things we'd like to share with you. And supposedly he said, I got this. I don't know if that's true or not. Ecclesiastes has a verse that brought to me in business owners, uh, preachers, whoever you are here this morning. Better is a poor, wise youth. In other words, a loser from the wrong side of the tracks. Than an old, foolish king who, knew lo- who no longer knew how to take advice. In Ecclesiastes 4.13. Better is a youth that doesn't know anything but's able to take advice than, than somebody who's been down the road pretty far but doesn't take advice anymore. A quote I saw was, I'm glad I paid so a little attention to the good advice. Had I abided by it, it might have saved me from some of my most valuable lessons. Uh, tongue in cheek, but, uh, and I know there's times where there's opposing dev- advice. And wisdom comes into play. And if it is a matter of chocolate versus vanilla, it doesn't matter. But if it's got a lot hanging on to it, uh, pray about it. But like in the Old Testament there in Kings, where King Roabam said to the old men, what should I do? They said, easy does it. And to the youth, what should I do? And they said, go after him. And he picked those peers that he understood a little bit more. 
and it was the wrong advice in that case. And so it, it's uh, sometimes we don't know what to do, and advice is opposing advice from different people. And sometimes waiting on the Lord is about the only thing that we can do. The beauty of Proverbs is it fits into my uh, game. You know, they say about uh, uh, like uh, hockey or like uh, baseball, this guy normally hits in the left field or normally hits here. Well, And so this here is set up to fit his game. Proverbs fits my game because it's scattered and you can you can pick your verse that you want to talk about. And so we just want to skip down to verse 10. First one was take advice. Taking advice. The next one is being kind to animals. A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but tender mercies of the cruel uh, tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. So a godly person takes care of their animals. And I'm not seeing any problems here. But I uh, I just read again uh, responses in there in the Lancaster paper pretty often run uh, a, a news article about Mennonites and Amish and how they treat their uh, horses and dogs and that kind of thing there. The billboard for a while, talking about along uh, 283, talking about bad treatment of the puppy meals in the in the plain church there. And God has animals in a certain place, and there's some things that you and I would not agree with Peta on. Uh, I was, and this is my problem. This isn't yours, but I was irked when there was a a dog on my airplane. And I, it's the same way I'm marked as if there's a dog in my motel. I just, uh, I love dogs, but in somebody else's motel and in somebody else's airplane, they're fine. And, I, and I'm not an animal lover. But we can't let it be a bad testimony to a world that we're trying to reach. We don't have to have any animals anymore today. But if we do, we have to take care of them. We really do. Uh, just uh, within the last week, somebody wrote, they say they're religious, but they're not. Somebody from Pottsville, Pennsylvania, speaking of the Amish or Mennonites uh, in Reflect. And God does care. You know, you remember back there in Jonah, when uh, Jonah was frustrated and discouraged, and God said, should you be discouraged? And he said, yes, I should be. And he said, well, this plant that you're discouraged about, you didn't make it. But I made these people, 120,000 of them, and the animals. And I was always impressed that he said, this is what I'd like to preserve here. I care about them animals. Uh, Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? And yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Uh... Tora Buntrager is the person who is currently working in New York and uh, the 16th this coming up. They're holding um, their uh, first big uh, gathering there and their goal, her goal, she's ex-Amish, her goal 
is to overturn Wisconsin's, uh, what is it called? Uh, Yoder versus, I forget what the name was. Yoder versus Wisconsin. That was back in the 70s, I believe, or something like that. And for you, though you, you don't remember that uh, going, what it was, was uh, they took it to the Supreme Court and they allowed the plain churches to be able to not send their children through a public high school uh, and that they wouldn't have to go after the age of 16 uh, if they chose to, but that the Amish and the Mennonites would take care of that. Uh, she's struggling with that, and she's got a few points. One of them is uh, because of the abuse that's going on in the Mennonite church that is not taken care of, is her thought. One of them is, her feeling is if, she, if the pupils would get the schooling from the public school that's available for each child, then they wouldn't... Uh, they would understand what abuse is and come forward quicker and that kind of thing is, is uh, what she's trying. So in a, in a week or two, she's coming up. But one of those people with her, also ex-Amish, is a real animal lover. And she took animal science in college and, and went on from there. Listen, I think there's a lot. What I'm saying is there's a lot of people. The, the, the world changed with animals. And people care more about animals than children. And that's a wrong view of how God designed things. That's not a a biblical view. But we don't have to give them more uh, ammunition. Uh, You can have all the animals you want and you take care of the animals that you have, is, is what I think. A righteous man, the godly take care of their animals... And the wicked are always cruel, is what the Bible says. Next one, if you'll skip down to verse 16. A couple of them together again here. Gentle words. Again, like the first one uh, on taking advice. This is a reoccurring uh, theme in both this book and and most books of the Bible and in New Testament and Jesus' teaching. Gentle words. Your words are so powerful. The words you speak are so powerful. Verse 16, A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. And I couldn't quite get a grip on that. A translation says, Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. And 18, with that, verse 18, there is that speaketh like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. A wise person, their words bring healing. They, they, they patch things up. They, they bring healing. Some people make cutting remarks. Other people's conversation is healing. When you leave them. When people visit with you, what's your perception of yourself? When you leave, do they feel better? Do they feel healed? Or do they feel cut? Or 
undermined. Heaviness is in the heart of a man maketh it stoop in 25, but a good word maketh it glad. It's encouraging. Uh, in Proverbs 18 it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Gentlemen, we can ruin our wives' day by how we say something. And wives, you can absolutely sap all the strength out of your husband, depends how you say it. Some things need said. Parents, you can damage a child's personality or do damage that lasts a long time. You can cause an employee to quit. You can cause a church member to go. You can cause a customer to never come back with your words. Or it says a wise person, you can lift them up. And what you say can be healing, can 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 make it up, you know, can can lift us up. You know, it's the tone, it's the timing, it's the way you say it, it's the words you use, and that's you. That's how you communicate. You know, I can say something, you know, when I come up here, Ruthie often says, as she leaves for the women's class, she'll squeeze my hand and she'll say, you got this. I know I don't, but she tells me that. And that's encouraging. And there's so many times, people, that we live under a cloud because of the way we communicate with each other. We say hurtful things. Sometimes we don't even mean it, but we can change. You know... You're, all of you are known by whether you're a peacemaker or whether you make pieces. But we can all change. That's the neat thing about it. We can't say, I'm 60-something, there's no way I'm going to change if I didn't change by now. We can change. We can all change. <clears throat> How to speak. How we speak to people is a measure of a person we are. And especially how we speak to those who we consider below us. You know, and it comes out, it's not weak and wimpy. You know, you can play a hockey game. Now, I couldn't, last, last night there was a hockey game and I couldn't make it. I apologize for that, but I couldn't play last night. I had other plans, but... And the only way a hockey game is fun is if it's very competitive, or a softball game. And if everybody's in. But even if everybody's in, and I didn't hear anything, so I hope there's no, no incidents, but you come away from a hockey game, even with somebody that's super ultra competitive, you know them as kind. Like you miss a shot, or you goof one up, and they say, hey, you know, they, they bring you along. You can think back through the hockey games that you were at and, and, and you know some people as kind 
and you know some people as, as ruthless. And that's a pretty strong word. But sometimes in our speaking, Proverbs 15, gentle words bring life and health, and a deceitful tongue crushes the spirits. And Jesus says you're spiritual if you can control your tongue. And we can change. One more verse here, and then we'll close. Making the most of it, a diligence. 27, I love the, the verse here. A slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is pres- precious. A challenge to me there, to make good use of everything that, that is at your disposal, that uh, you have, you know, uh, it, it has a picture here of a hunter, but it goes in whatever you do, whether you're a hunter or not. A hunter takes that what he what he the game that he got and he makes good use for it. He uses all of it. All of it is used up. And so, whatever you have, whatever is your you have a truck, you have a PC equipment, you have a car, you have a horse, you have a gun, you have opportunities, you have friends, you have credit, whatever it is. A diligent man takes care of it. He changes oil in it. And he, he does the maintenance. And he makes it go far. He uses it up. He, 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 everything at his disposal, he uses it up. And that was a, a challenge to me. What are my thoughts in closing here? You say, you know, you, you listen to these uh, things that are so precious out of the, the Bible, and you go home and we go on with life sometimes. But we can change. If I can't take advice, I can change my mindset and learn how to take advice. If I can't speak gently, I can change that. I can change the way I, I, can, I can learn how, how to communicate there. Sometimes in our settings, in our environment, we get stuck with the expected and we kind of, uh, that's just kind of how we do it here. And although we see a problem, we don't fix it. We don't, we don't address it. We don't change it. And uh, whether it's our culture or our current environment, you know, our, we mimic our culture with... Uh, with a group of friends that we have comes all the way from how much we'll spend on a birthday party to how many children is normal to how many what you know the the whole thing we we kind of and we're mostly grateful for that but sometimes there's things in our culture that need tweaked and we have to be open to that. We have to be alert to that. For instance, I'm so glad I quit smoking at 27. But the culture there was smoking. I thought of it when I was pondering this. The culture there was the proud dad of the house would get a really good uh, box of cigars. And it would either say on the, on the band, it's a girl or it's a boy. And we'd all come over to visit. And I was thinking as many babies as we're having here, we'd have smog like 
Chicago does if we, if we, so I am grateful for some things that we leave behind. So what I'm saying that for is we need to be open to tweak the things in our lives, in our household, and, and in our environment that need tweaked. Like, there's this guy, Stephen Luby. He was out of Nebraska and he went to school and his heart kind of got atta- uh, attached to the struggle that some of the people in Pakistan and um, Bangladesh were having. They were dying for, from unnecessary diseases. And the government had tried to change some of their practices. And they knew what the problem was. Uh, they didn't have as good running water and that kind of thing. And they needed to wash their hands. And he bought a one-way ticket. And he went over there and he trained people to train people in a part of that country how to wash their hands. It was an easy solution. Cheap soap that had a pleasant smell that people didn't weren't against there. And they, he showed, told them why and he told them how. And in that country, the death, the four related deaths that were up on top of the list dropped by right around 40% because people learned to wash their hands. And But that's not the way we always did it. And so why I bring that up, what I thought of that is we can change. We can learn to wash our hands. If we, if we don't know how to communicate very good, no, no problem. We can change. And that's the hope that we have and that's the hope that that a Christian has that we can change and we can make our homes a better place. Let's kneel for prayer. Lord, we just pray that you would instruct us in your wisdom. Write it on our heart. And forgive us where we act like a, a defiant toddler. Just, just help us to see your lessons and your truth and help us to make them a part of our lives. Kindness seems so high on your list, Lord. Teach us kindness. We want to live by your words. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.